We're going to continue this series called Spirit-Filled Fruit, and we are looking at the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. You know, we looked at love, we looked at joy, and now we're at this one, which is peace. But I want to start off with a story that many of us know. It's found in Mark chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples. Now, use your imagination. I, 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 it just, I just want you to participate, okay? Because it kind of frustrates me if we just kind of go through this like a classroom. But let's just use our faith imagination, and let's enter into the story as I'm telling you the story. Jesus and his disciples are getting into a boat, okay? Everybody see the boat? They're on the see. They're getting ready to cross over. But then something happens on their way uh, as they're going. And we, we find the story in Mark chapter four, verse 37. It says, and a great windstorm arose. So they're on the boat. Storm happens. Waves are breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. How do you guys know? That's not good news, right? I mean, they're out on the sea. The boat is uh, already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you guys ever been in a situation like that, just in life, storm of life, and all of a sudden it's like, where's Jesus? Oh, it seems like he's asleep. Doesn't even seem like he cares about my situation. That's where the disciples were at. Thing is, these disciples, many of them were skilled at, the, at doing boats and seas and storms. They, this is like what they did. But they're at the point where they are like concerned so much that they are terrified for their life. And he, Jesus, awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? If I was like disciples, I'd be like, What are you talking about? Like, were you here? And he says, and, and it says, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know what I find interesting about that story? And I didn't see it until this week as I was studying, the, the disciples are afraid at the storm. Jesus comes and he brings peace. And at the end of the story, the disciples are afraid again. Now, it may be a different fear associated with it, but it's like they started off afraid. Jesus came and brought peace, and yet they came out of it, and they still had some fear. Sometimes we can be like that in our life, right? Like we have a storm, we have a situation, Jesus wants to come and bring us peace. How come on the other side of it we still have fear? Let me, let me just take you back to a fun time in our life, 2020. Let me just go back there, I know, right? Let's just go back. 2020. How do you guys remember whenever you started to be able to meet again and start to do things again? I mean, wasn't that an amazing thing when we were just kind of separated from each other for so long? I will never forget the first service we had back in this place. I believe it was a Saturday night. We, we didn't invite everybody. We had just a core group of people. We came in here, and I will never forget what it was like to hear everyone singing together for the first time in so long. I mean, tears were like coming to my eyes because, I was, because we were designed to be together, right? We're designed to be in the same room. We're designed, God designed us to be together. And so then what happened? Most of us, if you're like us, most of us, when that started to happen and we could start going places and doing things, we we're like, we're saying yes to everything. Like, let's go to the store. We don't even have to go to the store. Let's go, you know? <laughs> let's go do everything because we can. How many of you guys are like, you're saying yes to everything? And it was so fun, right? Somebody invites you somewhere, yes, I'll go there. I don't even know what you're doing, but I'll show up. And then something else happened. See, as time went by, and we, after we said yes to everything, then pretty soon 
when people start inviting us to stuff or things, you know, maybe something gets canceled. How you guys felt a little bit excited that it was canceled? It's like the joy all of a sudden shifted from being around one another to the joy came when the event was canceled and I didn't have to go. I say all this to say this. So many of us, when we were going through that time, I'm one of them, I would say something like this. I just can't wait to get back to what? Normal. And here we are. We've gone, we, we started off on one side we went through some sort of storm, right? And here we are on the other side, and so many of us, how many of you guys would feel like you're basically back to normal? Most of us are back to what we would call normal. Here's the problem. Many of us are just like the disciples. You see, we went into 2020, and we had to dip into our reserves to make it through 2020. Like, but the problem was we went into 2020, and we weren't on full. We went into 2020, and if we're honest, our normal was we were already stressed out. We already were not having much peace in our life. We already were not having much joy. We were already just trying to keep up the pace. We were already just trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever. We were already. Then we go into it, into the storm. We have to dig into our reserves. Now we're back to normal. The problem is our normal wasn't good. Come on, does anybody want to be honest for just a second, right? I know mine wasn't. And so here I, you know, I get back to normal and I'm back to the same level of peace, same level of joy, same level of stress, same level of everything. And that doesn't mean it's good. It just means it was my normal. And so that's what the disciples went through. They had fear. They had a storm. They had peace come where they were like, oh man, say yes to, you know, to Jesus. And then all of a sudden they're on the other side and they still have what they had before. And so we want to talk about what this fruit of the spirit of peace is like, because I believe that God wants us to not live normal, but God wants us to live kingdom, right? And kingdom is different than normal. And so let's talk, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to manifest this fruit of peace? So dream with me for a moment. Use your spiritual imagination for, with me just for a moment to imagine what your life would look like. I'm not even asking you to imagine what you think is possible, okay? I'm just saying, just try to get outside the box for just a moment and just try to imagine, maybe you have to even pretend you're a different person. I don't even know. But just imagine a life where you had peace and prophetically see your life filled with the peace of God for just a moment, prophetically, okay? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to prophetically give us this opportunity. What would it look like for the Holy Spirit to fill us with peace. I'll give you three things. They all start with the same letter, help you memorize them, all right? Number one is this. Here's what it looks like, the fruit of peace. Freedom from war. You guys know in the natural we talk about peacetime and wartime. I'm not talking about war in the natural. I'm talking about the war that happens in our life, the war that happens in our relationship. We could say conflict. You know, we're going to go through conflicts. It's not, you know, uh, we're talking about that in just a little bit. We're going to go through things. But God wants to give us a different type of peace. Imagine, what would it mean if, if the voices in your life of conflict sounded different? What, anybody could use some less conflict and more unity? Anybody could use some of that? Just imagine that for just a moment. Again, let's imagine our life. Less conflict, less conflict, more unity. What would that look like? All right, second thing is this. This is what it would be. A freedom from worry. How many of you guys would just, 
you don't, don't raise your hand, okay? But you would just kind of self-title yourself, oh, I'm just a worrier. I just, like, I just worry all the time. I'm just, my mom was a worrier. My dad was a worrier. We have a family full of warriors, you know? I hope to pass that on someday to my children. Like, what are you talking about, right? See, sometimes we just kind of take on this identity, but the fruit of the spirit of peace is a freedom from worry. Can you imagine just for a second, prophetically imagine your life free from worry. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? How about anybody could use some less anxiety and more restfulness inside of you? This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do, can do, will do if we give him the opportunity to. All right, the last thing is this. It looks like a freedom from wavering. You guys ever find yourself waffling back and forth between decisions in your life or in your mind over issues? There's no peace in that, is there? You're you're thinking about this side and that side and the what ifs of this and that. There's no peace in that. Could anybody use some less chaos and more calm in your life? See, this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit brings a fruit or a result of peace in your life. Remember, it is the result of the work of the Holy Spirit. So this peace that I'm talking about today is not a result of you producing it. However, there is something that we can do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow him space to do it. We do play a part in this. We can cultivate an environment for this peace to happen. That's our part in it. The Holy Spirit is going to bring supernatural peace Not peace that the world gives, a supernatural deposit of peace, but we cooperate and we can also grieve the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look today at some ways that we can cooperate with this peace. And so I'm going to have uh, my wife, Becca, she's going to come with every part of every sermon that we do. Give her a big hand as she's going to share a little bit about this. So let's talk about peace in our relationships for a minute. What does that look like? Like he just alluded to, peace is not the absence of conflict, right? I mean, peace is, well, let's look. Jesus said in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus himself is saying, you're going to have tribulation and you're also going to have peace. So We're humans, right? We're humans dealing with humans. There's going to be conflict. There are going to be things that maybe will get resolved, things that maybe won't be resolved. But what we're talking about is a peace that remains, that stays, no matter what. We're talking about a sense of calm and steadiness that will carry you through every conflict. I think that sounds pretty nice. So how do we have freedom from war? We become peacemakers peacemakers. We make peace. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit by stepping into any conflict we have and figuring out as much as depends on us, how can we become a peacemaker? Just like in Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So what does that look like, that so far as it depends on you? Well, I think to to look at that, I want to look at two ways that sometimes we feel like we're being a peacemaker, but we're actually not. And one of them would be to avoid conflict at all costs, right? I don't know how many of you have been there. I've I've been there before where it's just like you don't want conflict, and so you're like, okay, you're right. Okay, you're right. Okay, I was wrong. You're right. 
And you think, you kind of walk away from that thinking, look at me, I'm a peacemaker. You know, I, I avoided conflict. We're not fighting, so there's no conflict. But in actuality, you're just making it worse, right? You have to step into some of those hard things and work it out and work it out. Don't avoid conflict just because it hurts a little bit. Because sometimes you have to have a little bit of pain to grow, right? Sometimes you have to have the hard conversations, but you can do it in love, and you can do it with, as long as you have this peace inside, then the way that you will handle that conflict is with love, and with a steadiness, and with a sense of peace that won't like inflame the other person. And then the second thing is, um, if you come into a conflict thinking this, I've been here too before, thinking if they would just see it my way, then we could stop arguing. You know, if they would just agree that what I'm saying or what my opinion is, then there wouldn't be any more arguing. We just, if they would just agree, then we could just stop. And so you think that your role, being a peacemaker, is just to keep going until they finally see your way. Um, I've always thought it amazing. There's a, I don't have it up on the screen, but there's a verse in James that talks about the wisdom from above. And it, it describes this wisdom from above. And one of the things it says is that, is that it's willing to yield. So if the wisdom from above is willing to yield, shouldn't my wisdom maybe be a little willing to yield as well? And so you have to approach conflict with an open hand with, to be flexible, to put unity and reconciliation over being right or over getting your way or getting what you want to happen. The Hebrew word for peace, one of the Hebrew words for peace is shalom. And shalom is such a beautiful word. I encourage you guys to research that sometime. It's sometimes translated as peace, but it's so much deeper. It's so much richer. And one of the definitions is flourishing. It means to flourish. And so ask yourself, am I making my relationships flourish? Is what I'm doing, is the way I'm approaching conflict, is it making my relationships flourish? And if it's not, I think you need to look inside. And, you know, I just want to say just real quick, you might be in a conflict or something, and you might be thinking, Becca, I'm doing all these things. And it still is there. It's, there's still conflict. Then you pray. You pray. But what, I, what we're trying to say is whether it's resolved or not, that there is a, a peace that can stay with you. But these, these couple things that I talked about are the ways that we can step in, we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we can <clears throat> give God the space then to come in and to create that peace in us and in our relationships. Amen. All right. We become peacemakers. All right. What about freedom from worry? How could we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and cultivate an environment for him to produce in us a freedom from worry? And the way we do that is we eliminate peace takers. How many of you guys can think of some peace takers in your life right now? Some of you guys are thinking of names right now, right? Okay. <laughs> that could be, but it could be a lot of other things as well. Matthew, or Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Whew. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? If it's a command from Jesus, it's possible. And he says, do not be anxious. 
Do you know what that tells me? It is possible for every person here to not live a life that's an anxious life. I know that's hard to believe right now. But that is what it's like to live in the kingdom and to yield to the Holy Spirit, right? And so you can live a life free from worry. How do we cultivate this fruit? Well, one of the ways we cultivate it is to eliminate on our part peace takers, things that take peace. Whoa, here we go. I don't know what's happening now. That took a little bit of my peace right there. I was a little concerned what was going to happen there. All right. Let's eliminate those peace takers. Somebody's just like, we're done here. We're done. That's it. I'm out of here. Uh, All right. So some of you guys are coming up with a list, all these things, right? You can go ahead and list all these things that are taking your peace right now. That's that's okay. You You can come up with a list, right, with the Holy Spirit. But I want everybody to say this with me. Say, don't feed the stray cat. <laughs> How many of you guys ever had a stray cat come around your house before or something? There's this temptation. You feel sorry for it. You're like, ah, I want to give it some food. We have these stray cats around our house. Sometimes my kids will be tempted to feed it or to go out and pet it. And I'm like, no, because what's going to happen? Not that I'm speaking from experience here, but what's going to happen is the cat is going to move in under the shed and then the cat is going to have kittens. And then pretty soon they're going to have family reunions and whole cat cities are going to be built and there are cats everywhere. And my neighbor up on the hill behind me, he feeds all these cats. And, and so these cats are everywhere. And now they have potential for disease and overpopulation. And I've got to come up with a city manager for these cats. I mean, it's just horrible, okay? But there are, that, that's an example of what it's like. Sometimes we just start feeding little peacetakers in our life. You know what's going to happen when you start feeding a peacetaker in your life? More of them's going to show up. More of them's going, they're going to make a home, and pretty soon you're going to have peace-taking cities in your life, and you're going to wonder, why don't I have peace? You know, we have foxes. I mean, you guys know foxes are beautiful, right? They're, but they will come, and they will try to come and to eat our dog food. And my, my daughter, Lindsay, she's always like, oh, those foxes, can, you know, Dad, if I can catch one, can I keep it? Sure, kid. You catch it, you get to keep it, okay? Whatever. But the Bible actually has something to say about that. And in, in one of the weirdest places in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Do you know what this is talking about here? This is talking about in the context of your relationship, there are little things that will come and try to spoil the fruit that God is trying to put into your life. And we have a responsibility to identify them, to catch them, to to make sure that they do not spoil what God wants to do in our life. There are things like that 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 spoil our peace. Let me just give you some of them. Have you guys ever had something trespass like that and take your peace? You know what it is. Some of you guys know what it is. Let me just pick on myself for just a little bit, okay? I'll pick on myself. My schedule, I evaluated this uh, not too long ago. I calculated up the number of evenings that my family has taken up with built-in church events. Okay, number of, number of evenings that my family has with built-in, not extra things, not extra outside, not, not extra church events, just the regular routine church events. And I found out it was close to 150 evenings a year. Yeah, and that's not, that's not our vacations, that's not our hanging out with friends, that's not our kids' activity, that's none of that, that's 150 built-in. 
Now, how many of you guys know, that's a, I, I love having that built into the core of our family. I love that. But even in that good thing, even within those 150, we still evaluate all the time which, hundred, which of these 150, what should go in that container, even within the church things. Because I have to evaluate which things are producing fruit of the 150 and which things aren't, right? And so the same is true in all of our life. We have to evaluate which things are taking our peace, which things are creating space for the Holy Spirit. See, some of us, we have, our schedules are so full, there's no space for calm. And so we have to do, I get convicted about, I'm not preaching to you right now, I'm preaching to me right now, okay? I have to constantly remind myself of the Sabbath. I have to, I have to work for it, right? I have to work for those things and to work for those times, right? Because we have to constantly evaluate and eliminate things that do take our peace. All right, it could be your thought life, though. Okay, let's, let's go beyond that. Let's go to our thought life. Have you guys ever have thoughts that kind of take your peace from time to time, right? We have thoughts, these peace takers in our thoughts all the time. One of the things, I've shared this with you before, but again, this has so helped me. Uh, I use the five-second rule with my thoughts. How many of you guys know five-second rule with food? It's scientifically proven. Five seconds, it's still good. You can pick it up and eat it, and nothing's happened to it, right? It's, it's proven. But with my thought life, I decided a long time ago that I was not going to let a thought live that wasn't from God, that was going to steal my peace. I was not going to give it more than five seconds of airspace. Why should I? The Bible says I could take every thought captive. What good is it? And Jesus says, what good does it do for you to mull it over and to worry about tomorrow? You're not adding anything to your life by doing that. All you're doing is taking away from your life. And so if I have a thought and I identify within the first five seconds, that is not a God thought, I'm not going to give it any airtime at all. I'm going to take it and I'm going to replace it with something from God. And so I want to encourage you, if you are struggling in this area, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Start where you can. Close the gap between the time you have a thought that's not from God, that's taking your peace, and the time you stop the thought. See, because some of us right now, we're letting that play out for 20 minutes. Some of us, we're letting it play out all day long. Some of it, we're in a season of letting that thought run its course. If it's not from God, it does not belong. And I do not feel any guilt or any irresponsibility one bit for not thinking about that thought. It has no place, right? And so it's taking my peace. All right, it could be the people you're hanging around. <laughs> that doesn't mean we just cancel everybody and I can't tolerate anything that's not, you know, positive. No, it just means let's get with the Holy Spirit and are we allowing certain influences in our life that are not from God, that are not for this season, that maybe I need to rearrange in a different way? That's okay. It could be, come on, somebody, your social media. Hello, it could be that. How many of you guys ever had that take your piece before? Just me. I thought so. You realize, I was listening to a podcast this week, and it was, they said that, they did a bunch of research, 6% of the people on social media create 73% of the negative, divisive, political, or whatever we want to put in there, content. See, when you get on there, you think, well, this is just what everybody's doing. This is just what everybody's thinking. I need to get excited about this. I need to get riled up about this. Six percent. And most of those people from the research that they did have an agenda behind it to get you riled up about something. Why are we falling for the trap of the enemy? 
Why are we falling for it? You know, the Bible says to be aware of the enemy's schemes. Come on, it's time for the church to rise above and to think a little more kingdom than what we are, right? And so it might come in our social media. We might have to rearrange it. I did. I did just this year. I totally rearranged the way I, I do social media because it was a peacetaker in my life, and I'm not going to allow the enemy an opportunity. So ruthlessly eliminate peacetakers in your life to clear the way for the Holy Spirit to make you a person of peace. Because how many of you guys know if you can worry, you can pray? Worry is just praying to the wrong source, ultimately. It's just praying for, you know, to something that's not going to give you any uh, answers or any response. And he wants to give you a life that is free from worry. Okay, again, you can have a life where worry does not have a long lifespan in your thought life. Worry can have a shelf life in your thoughts, and it does not have to live there. It's possible because it's promised. Watch this. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Do you know what that word peace literally in the Greek, the original language, if you study it out, it literally means, guess what? Freedom from worry. Let me read that again with its original definition. Jesus says, to hear Jesus say this to you, freedom from worry I leave with you. My freedom from worry I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of Sean Phillips being able to produce, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is a freedom from worry that Jesus gives to me and deposits in me if I clear some space for him to do that, all right? Now, maybe you can't imagine that in your life right now. If you're like, I don't know how to get from here to there. That's all right. You start where you're at. You let the word of God come as a seed in your heart right now, and you start cultivating space. Maybe you're really trying to have peace with all, all you can, and you're white-knuckling it and trying to have peace. Here's what most of us end up doing. Instead of becoming peacemakers or eliminating peacetakers, we know we're supposed to have peace, and so we become peace fakers. And so on our social media, we, you know, we act like we got it together and we act like we love in Jesus. And we're acting like, you know, we, we got peace and joy and all this stuff in our life and everything's going well. And when we get together at church and we shake hands, you know, we're acting like peace. Is, and we are trying to, on the surface, live a peace life because we know we're supposed to. But again, you know what that is? That is actually a fruit of just trying to be, live in the flesh, of trying to do it by my works instead of allowing the Holy Spirit, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And so to help us think about this, I gotta take you to, to this place that is, every time I pass by this thing, it just, it, it makes me sad, all right? So here it is, let's just take a look. All right, this is my sad little apple tree. It is falling over, it, it's bearing some fruit, it's got some apples on it, but it's like the weight of the fruit that it is bearing is almost killing it. Now, it needs to be pruned, but it's got a bigger problem. The bigger problem is that it just does not have deep roots. I've tried to pin it up and to stabilize it, and it just does not seem to dig deep roots. It just will not do it. So finally, I just let it go, and it's almost gonna kill itself when it tries to bear fruit. This is a picture of what can happen sometimes in our life when we're trying to bear fruit in our life, bear the fruit of peace. 
if we don't have deep roots in our life, sometimes the fruit that we do try to bear, we will almost die under the weight of trying to keep up the fruit that's outward when we don't have something inward to be able to sustain it. And that's kind of a picture of what's going on. My garden over here to my left, you know, we took an approach uh, when we first started that my aunt said, she says, we never water the garden. She's been gardening for 30 plus years. And she said that she never waters the garden because uh, if she waters the garden, the roots of the plant stay up on the surface and they expect to get watered all the time. But if she doesn't water it, the roots go deep looking for uh, real sustenance and a deep level and get stronger plants. And I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but it's worked out well for us. And we've grown a garden year after year. The same is true in our life though. If we're constantly you know, keeping our roots at the surface and we're constantly looking for affirmation and the garden of our heart to be watered and circumstances to be at the surface of our heart to be watered there, uh, there are gonna be times when we go through dry seasons when maybe we're not being watered. Maybe the circumstances aren't in our favor. Maybe our spouse isn't watering the garden of our heart. And we have two options in that moment. Are we gonna have deeper roots where we have a deeper source or are we going to keep our roots of our heart on the surface, constantly looking to be watered by circumstances or other people? You see, in those moments, those dry seasons, those storms of life that we go through, we have two options. We have an option of one is get deeper roots or two, we might end up like this tree and eventually die uh, under the weight of trying to keep up appearances. You see, the, the outside fruit makes us feel good. It makes us feel visible, like, like the visible stuff that feels like stuff's happening. Like if I could just manage that external that somehow spiritual maturity is actually happening. But the real work of peace, and in fact, the real fruit of the spirit or the real work of the spirit in our life, is in the unseen. It's in the under, it's under the surface where it's seen. It's kind of like an iceberg, you know? They say that 10% is visible, but 90% is the part that you don't see. That's really a picture of our spiritual life. If we think that if I could just keep the outward areas of my life at peace and my reactions to other people in a peaceful way and, and keep up this, you know, external fruit that somehow I would be maturing spiritually when in fact what we've done is we've just created hypocrisy in our life. See, if there's a conflict or a discrepancy between our outward actions and our inward attitudes, then we've resigned ourselves to surface living. And so the question is, how's your 90%? You see, our goal should be that our 90% is the same as our 10% visible fruit. And if it's not, then we need to ask God, like, God, how could you develop that in me? How would you know? Well, I would just say this. Pay attention to the inward conversations of your heart. Are the inward conversations of your heart, are they full of anxiety? Are they full of fear? Are they full of worry? Or are they the same as your outward conversations? And if they are the same, then you know that God's at work and the outward looks like the inward. But if they're not, it's time to ask God to grow us in that area. See, it's the tough times that don't cause us to worry or cause us to not have peace. They just reveal what's on the inside of us. And so why is this important? This is important because we are gonna face storms. We are gonna face dry seasons and we need to dig deeper roots to be able to have the proper source in our life to be able to withstand the dry seasons and the storms of life. Amen, I almost tripped on my wife's purse over there and you guys have to have a healing service before I come back up. But 
How, how is your 90%? Can we just take an honest inventory for just a second, okay? How's my 90%? Do I really have the same level of peace that I'm projecting to other people? That's so important to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in that way and to allow him to do that. Which leads us to the third thing, which is a freedom from wavering. And how do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this? Well, we know the peace anchor. The anchor of our peace, the source of our peace. Go back to the story with Jesus in the boat. Remember the storm's going, they're being tossed to and fro, right? They're being all over the place, Mark 4, 39. And he, Jesus, awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, there's a lot of scholars and theologians that believe that this storm was not actually a natural storm, but it was actually a storm that was, that was affected by the enemy's work in some way. And I'm not gonna try to figure out all that out theologically, but there's many people who believe that. And I say that to say this, there are many times in our life when the storms that we go through or possibly even some of the dry seasons that we go through aren't even natural things that we're going through. They are, they're an attack from the enemy. And once we have our eyes open to that, it even becomes more clear that we have to run to Jesus. We have to run to Jesus, know that he is our, that we have to anchor ourselves to the right source. Psalm chapter one is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. And one of the scriptures is talking about uh, how we're to live. And Psalms chapter one, verse three, it says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Now get the picture of my apple tree and now get the picture of this tree. This tree is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. So in this picture, the river is God and we are the tree and our roots are to get down deep so that our, our sustenance, our source is God. It's not circumstances, it's not people, it's not, our, it's not what we have or what we don't have, it's not who we're around or what, who we're not around, it's not what happened this week and what didn't happen this week. It's that I'm constant because I'm not dependent on the external, my roots are connected to the right source. Here's what I want you to understand. When the disciples are on that boat with Jesus, the reason Jesus could sleep on a pillow in the boat in the storm. There was a reason. There's a, it's a very important reason for us to understand. There's a reason why Jesus could legitimately do that and not just be, well, that's Jesus. He's gonna, no, there's a reason. If you zoom out, here's why. Jesus could sleep in the boat because Jesus had an appointment to keep. Jesus' appointment was not with the sea. See, the enemy was trying to take Jesus out before his appointment. But Jesus had an appointment with the cross that he was not going to miss. So there's a reason why that boat would never go down because Jesus was in it and Jesus had an appointment to keep with the cross. And here's what I want you to understand. There's a reason why you can legitimately have peace in your situation because God has appointments for you to keep. There are things in your destiny, there are people that you, he's called you to reach, there are things he's called you to do that Satan may try to look like he's taking you out now, but you can sleep on the pillow because you got an appointment to keep. 
You need to remind the enemy, I've got appointments to keep. You can't take me out here. I've got appointments to keep. The, the boat isn't going down because I've got appointments to keep. That's what it's like to have peace because we trust in Jesus. As the worship team comes back up, I want to just share one last story. It's really not a story. It's just kind of like life, how I live life. Because I know that where I need to be is at the source. So anytime I get really stressed or have this temptation to give in to anxiety or worry, what do I do? I run to the presence of God. Many times I will just pick up a guitar and just start to play and start to, just like David out in the field with his harp. You know, what was he doing? He was spending time in the presence. But you don't need a guitar to do that. You can do that anywhere at any time. It can be in the morning. It can be with your coffee. It can be driving down the road, whatever it is. But I know this, whenever I have those temptations to worry, I'm going to get in the presence of God because it's in the presence of God where my real source is that all circumstances, all intimidation from the enemy dissipates and disappears. How many of you guys were at TNT with us I, uh, this last Thursday? I was worshiping uh, here you know, just right here on the front row. And I just felt a nudge from God just to get down on my knees. And I got down on my knees. And as I was just in the presence of God, it was like, I just couldn't move. Like I literally couldn't move for like a considerable amount of time. And it took me a while to finally get back up. And I didn't feel like I was like even hardly strong enough to sit up because I was just in an encounter with God that was even affecting me physically. And so I want you to understand that it's in the presence of God where our roots are, that that's what gives us peace. And so I want, I want to just encourage you guys. So, you know, we live in this generation that's like a fear of missing out generation, the FOMO generation. Have you guys know what I'm talking about? Like you see all this stuff like, oh, I want to go on that trip or I want to have what they have and I don't want to miss out on that season. You know, we have all this FOMO, right? I heard this line uh, not too long ago and it really stuck with me. What if... Those of us who were in Christ, if we're going to have any fear or any fear of missing out, what if it was this? What if it was a fear of missing out on his presence? Because I know what it's like. When I get into God's presence, you know what? Every time I come out of God's presence, I come out stronger. Every time I come out of God's presence, I come out more joyful. I come out full of peace. I come out a little bit lighter than when I went in. How many of you guys can testify to that, right? Every time. What if I had a fear of like, I, I do not want to miss out on your presence today. I do not want to miss out on being with you today. Because every time I'm with you, I know that I can have peace, joy, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, love, joy, and peace, and all of the above. And your power and your love can overwhelm me. And so as we get ready to receive communion, what we're going to do here is we're going to, we've got tables in the back, tables in the front. We're going to take just a moment and we're going to be reminded of what, it's, what Jesus did for us. And then even in this moment, I believe there's something special that I can't even totally describe as to what happens when we gather like this. And especially when we come to the table and we're reminded of the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled for us. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says this, But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us what? Peace. And with his wounds we are healed. 
And I know what this piece is talking about. It's talking about we're no longer enemies of God, that you know, he made the door open and he gave us away. But it also includes everything else that has to do with peace. And I'm so thankful that at the cross that Jesus made a way for me to have peace with God. Because when that part of your life is settled, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff about life, but man, when the most important thing is settled, you don't have to waver. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to go back and forth all the time. You can be settled because the most important thing is settled, amen? The most important thing is settled. The question I have for us today is, do we really still even believe that? That the most important thing is settled? Or are we so consumed with the cares of life that the cross no longer cancels out the cares? Let's come to the table again. Let's come to this moment again and say, Jesus, your cross not only canceled out my debt of sin, but it cancels out every care and weight of this world that I have. Let's come back and let's reset some roots. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna grab the elements, take them back to your seat, hang on to them. And I'm gonna come back up in the middle of the song and lead us through communion together. So Lord, we just invite you into this place right now, into this moment. We remember the cross that brought peace and we cultivate that environment. We want to add fuel to that. Say, God, we wanna experience your peace in your presence today. In Jesus' name, let's come, let's get the elements.